Hello and welcome to a very special edition of the Ed Surge podcast. This is Michael Winters. And this is Mary Jamada coming to you live from the beautiful city of love, otherwise known as Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. Philadelphia. Mary Jo and I have just completed our first day of ISTE uh, and we are exhausted. We are both half asleep and in our pajamas in temporary Ed Surge headquarters here in an Airbnb in Philadelphia. But we wanted to hop on real quick and give you guys a quick analysis of, of what we've seen today. It's been an absolute whirlwind filled with panels and the expo hall, and tens of thousands of educators have flocked to the city to talk about all things ed tech. There are so many people. It is pretty crazy, and you could probably <laughs> hear it in our voices that even thinking now and reflecting on the day, we've been a little bit overwhelmed with all of the information that we've received. But Michael, I'm sure that you probably uh, talked to a fair number of companies, and I'm curious to hear what really sticks out in your mind. Yeah, so I, I did a lot of talking to companies today, I sat in on a few uh, company-oriented sessions as well. So um, I saw Autodesk this morning um, present some cool new uh, design software and design training initiatives that they have for students, um, a lot of free tools that are that are, look pretty cool for educators. Um, I also sat through uh, both sessions of the ISTE Pitch Fest. There were 12 companies that were selected to, to pitch at the Pitch Fest, and there are four that are going to go through to the finals tomorrow. Um, those four uh, were all pretty interesting companies. Um, one, uh, Cogent is the company. Uh, in their interactive cases kind of distills uh, pretty complex science problems into individual cases for students. Uh, there's another company, Mathbreakers, who was just at our, our Ed Surge Boston Summit a couple of weeks ago. Uh, they help teachers to track intermediate steps of a math problem when students do a math problem. Um, and uh, another one uh, that was, was interesting was uh, called Zyrobotics, and they have a, a product called Zumo Accessible Learning Systems, which is a, a product to help um, students with physical disabilities to, to learn better. So you can actually, this is really cool, you can uh, tune and adjust the app so that it is more or less sensitive to physical gestures based mm. on the, um, the, the student's uh, Dexterity and, and, and range of motion and, and motor skills. It was, it was pretty cool. Interesting. Um, and then there was a, another company on the on the administrator side um, called uh, EdProtect is their product, and uh, they are a dashboard for privacy uh, for administrators to kind of get a holistic view of, of privacy for for a bunch of tools. Um, so yeah, a lot of a lot of good companies. I'm gonna talk to to many others. Um, uh, Sphinx, a product called Sphinx by Erudite uh, Sciences. I think they are is a, another. Yeah, they have a really cool logo. Um, they're a, a, another kind of math uh, show your work and, and uh, an AI can, can grade the work. Um, I guess a lot of STEM tools have sort of been taking center stage this this round. Yeah, a lot of, a lot of STEM tools. Mm -hmm. um, that's a, a good observation. I think we talked to Adam Bello a couple weeks ago. We he did. was talking about expecting kind of maker and, and coding to take center stage. And um, I definitely saw a lot of maker today. I saw a little bit of, of coding tools, learn to code type things. Mm -hmm. Not as much maybe as I was expecting, but... Um, tomorrow's another day, and I have I have big plans for for talking to companies tomorrow. So I'm sure if we if we do another one of these, um, you know, tomorrow I'll have some more to say about about what companies I've seen. But you know, overall, oh, Mary Jo, I just like the the scale of of the Expo Hall is just so impressive. You know, we we do our Ed Surge events, and there's you know, in Boston, I think there were 28 companies on the Educator Day. Mm -hmm. And here, I mean, I think there were 500. And there's just so much activity and so many lights and so many demos and so many iPads. It's, it's incredible. <laughs> yeah, but, you know, on the other end of that, um, 
Being in the expo hall certainly is a lot of energy, but not everybody seems to be too excited about just how crazy the expo hall is. Yeah, so you were, you were, we talked earlier on Periscope about the the panel you sat on with with Audrey Waters today. So tell us more about that. Sure. So the panel, um, if I, I recall... I should be clear, you did not sit on the panel. You, right. You attended the panel. I attended the panel. That's correct. So the panel essentially was uh, a discussion of whether or not computers should be completely removed from the classroom. And <laughs> I don't think it's just a matter of computers, really, all ed tech in general. Um, that was the main theme. And the panel brought together a number of ed tech commentators that uh, many of you might recognize from Twitter or the academia landscape, including Audrey Waters, uh, who's the uh, writer of Hack Education, her most popular blog, and then also a couple of other commentators, including Will Richardson and Gary Steger, who, for those of you who don't know, was actually one of Seymour Papert's uh, earliest um, collaborators. He worked with Seymour Papert 20 years ago, and Seymour Papert is basically considered the father of modern computing devices and education. Um, if you know Bill Gates is responsible for the birth of Microsoft, Seymour Papert is certainly responsible for the birth of educational technology in the classroom. You were dropping knowledge right now. I did not know any of that. <laughs> well, you know, it's, and that's, I think, actually part of what... Oh, our mic just fell over. I'm going to pick the mic back up. So, um, yeah, that's really what Gary Steger kind of kept bringing up during the talk was we talk about ed tech as if it's solving all these issues in the classroom but we stand on the shoulder so we stand on the shoulders of giants and we really don't know um, much about what Seymour Papert's philosophies were on ed tech and and so just to kind of give you an example you know he predicted that maker activities were going to have huge impact um, and that one-to-one computing was eventually going to come around but he also predicted that there would be a downfall of learning in the classroom because of some of these devices and um, how they would interrupt some of the most basic and fruitful learning opportunities for students that have been in the classroom since the beginning of time Um, and I have to politely agree and disagree with some of what I was hearing on the panel. Um, Audrey was very, 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 very strong-minded about the fact that uh, there is an increasing disparity um, in equity amongst students because of some of these computing devices, which I tend to agree with. If you consider BYOD programs like Bring Your Own Device programs, when you have a student in a low-income community expected to bring um, a, a tablet or you know some other piece of device in order to be able to access certain bits of information, you can't always assume that that is something within their price range or that their socioeconomic background supports them being able to bring that device. Um, on the other end of that, you know there was an ironic uh, <laughs> there was an ironic take on ISTE sort of having um, been uh, involved in that destruction, which is funny because you know some of these people, including Audrey Waters, were actually on the planning committees of um, ISTE way back in the day, and have since become a little bit less enthused about the role that ISTE plays in education technology, specifically in the United States of America. <laughs> but ISTE, like any other organization, goes through waves. And so whether or not EdTech is here to stay is really just a matter of um, you know, gradually seeing towards the future and, and, and talking to teachers and students and continuing to ask them what they want in the classroom. Um, it, there's no lie that consumer technology certainly looks very different now than um, it looked 20 years ago. And so in a way, why wouldn't classrooms and educational technology be any different? Let me ask you a question on, on that theme, Mary Jo. So every every event has a balance between kind of the the commercial and the non-commercial side and and do you in terms of 
you know, the event has to provide value for for attendees, but it also has to make money. Do you where do you think we are with ISTE's balance right now? Is it is it out of balance? Is it well balanced? What do you think? Uh, well, having had this conversation with a couple of educators today, ISTE does seem to me to feel very corporate. Um, that being said, ISTE would not be in existence really without the support of corporate sponsors. Uh, so it's a bit of a catch-22. What I will say, though, is I'm happy that there are m m opportunities for people of different backgrounds at an event like ISTE. You don't have to go to the expo hall if you don't want to. That is your choice. You can choose to only go to panels. You can choose to only set up one-on-one -on -one meetings and network. Um, it's really whatever you want it to be. And so in that sense, I sort of can't fault ISTE for what they've done because they know that um, corporate sponsorship allows them to be able to continue to produce what it is that they produce. And um, if there are teachers out there that feel that ISTE has benefited their professional development, then who am I to say that ISTE has created something negative? Personally, I don't like walking around events with multitudes of corporate sponsorship up on the walls and adorning my name tag and all over the bags and the swag that I'm given, but it does allow for discussions to happen. And so I guess the question is, what is the what is the price of those discussions? You know, is it, are, are we selling our souls to have these discussions that make us better educators and make us better thought leaders and administrators? And is it worth doing that? So all good questions. Uh, I, I asked you a hard question. You can ask me a hard question. <laughs> well, on. I'm curious for you. So, you know, <laughs> you've been talking to a lot of these startups and, and, and the big companies too. And you walk into the expo hall and you see sort of a big gap. You see these tiny little companies with these miniature booths. And then the, you see these giant displays from Pearson and Google for Education and McGraw-Hill. Do you think that the smaller companies stand a chance against these big companies or basically they're just waiting to get acquired? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, Take your time. Thanks. No pressure. I think I think that we have to believe that it is possible for a small company to, to grow up in ed tech and become a big company. We have to believe that. Why? Um, Why do I, as a former educator, have to believe that? Because we want, as a former educator, or as a as an educator, I think you want these small companies that you, you that you're using the the uh, the math spaces or the the actively learns the curriculums of the world. These smaller companies, you want them to grow up to to bring these these quality products to keep improving on them over time and to add new services to to a team that already knows you and that you already trust and that you know aggregates to be a much much bigger company mm. um, I would like to think that that is possible and I think that there are definitely some companies that are um, that are you know doing a good job of, of being able to grow um, edge elastic is, is a good example I think they are you know they're on the smaller side they're not um, a, a brand new startup anymore, but they're what does Edge Elastic do? Yeah, so Edge Elastic um, is a company that's been to several EdSurge summits. Um, they allow teachers to create uh, assessments that are very much like uh, either Park or Smarter Balance. I forget which one. Mm. Um, so it's it's good you know good practice for students um, who are going to be taking those exams. Got it. Um, you know, they're like I said, they're not the newest startup, uh, but they're also not a Pearson or a Google by mm. any stretch of the imagination. Of and, course, you know, in in years past, um, I, I I don't know if they've they've been to ISTE, but they were talking about how they 
um, have been at other events and, you know, they have sort of the, the smaller, smaller space and a smaller presence there. And now this year they're able to, to get a little bit of a bigger presence. They had a, a little bit of a bigger booth and they had a, a sign hanging from the ceiling. Um, and so in that sense, you know, that, that's a tool that um, I've heard from, from many educators is very useful as a quality tool and now is being able to, to grow up a little bit and uh, to, to have a, a bigger presence. Now, that being said, um, I definitely think that we're going to start to see more of these smaller companies get acquired. I talked to to one company today who explicitly told me, yeah, our goal is to get acquired in six to eight years. Mm. Um, they think they have a good technology that um, somebody like a Pearson or a Google or whoever could use. Um, and they think that that's the, the best way to get their technology into to lots of classrooms. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I think I think we're going to see both. And I think that that's that's good for for education if if entrepreneurs have um, different avenues that they can pursue and, and different goals and um, you know we'll we'll see maybe it will kind of knock some some energy into some of the bigger players if they can start acquiring some of this this cool interesting new technology we will definitely see what happens but at the end of the day ISTE is seems to be more about the teachers really than it is about the educators and or <laughs> more about the teachers than it is about the companies. Um, And so, you know, one of the things that I had heard conversations along the lines of related to privacy and actually where the companies came into play was that some of the teachers were concerned that with the smaller companies that are coming up, you know, they don't necessarily have as good of a grasp of how to control data and how to control privacy because they're more focused on getting funding and building a user base. there was some concern amongst the teachers that those companies actually are going to then end up losing a strong foothold because of the fact that they're not taking advantage or they're not on top of the privacy game. And so they may end up actually running into issues like InBloom did a few years ago where they were actually shut down even before they had really matured because of the fact that they were not delivering um, messaging about the way that they were handling student data to the public well. So, you know, any kind of last thoughts about that? Because privacy has been something that's been popping up over the course of ISTE. Yeah, I definitely think there are lots of challenges for for, for all companies, but especially small companies, mm-hmm. companies that, that are new to the industry or mm-hmm. companies that don't have the resources to go out and, and get help with, with privacy. Mm-hmm. Um, I think we're going to see more and, and more of that. Um, and the company I mentioned earlier, um, EdProtect, um, Education Framework, these people who help administrators to manage um, data privacy issues in their district. That's a great example. People were really excited about that tool during the, the pitch fest. Mm-hmm. And um, I, I think that's definitely headed in the direction that we're going to see more of, of, of ways to um, help administrators keep track of, of the privacy issues and, and make sure that everything is, is A-OK in their schools. Okay. Well, we'll continue to kind of bring you the news from ISTE. Look out for a podcast from us tomorrow when we have a conversation with uh, some of the Google administration team to talk more about some of the updates they've made to Classroom, as well as Google Expeditions, which for those of you that want to take your kids on virtual tours, you're going to want to tune into that. Very cool stuff. But in the meantime, I'm going to go back to my room and we are both going to pass out because we are exhausted. (laughs) That's very true. (laughs) Thank you all for listening. Uh, to this very lightly edited podcast. Apologies for the weariness in our voice. Um, thank you so much for listening to, to Ed Surge and for reading Ed Surge. Um, please follow along, tweet us, tweet at us if you have any questions about ISTE, 
And watch out for Periscope. We'll be Periscoping more from the event on Tuesday. Yeah, that'll be popping up. So feel free to send along any questions or anyone in particular that you want us to try and interview because we are here on the floor from Philadelphia. And in between eating lots and lots and lots of Philly cheesesteaks, <laughs> we will be getting your most dire questions answered. Did you have a Philly cheesesteak today? I did not, but no, it is literally I. on the breakfast list for me tomorrow. <laughs> so I'm excited about it. All right. <laughs> all right, ladies and gents. Well, that's all for us tonight, and we will talk to you more tomorrow.